First Samuel chapter 1. There was a man from Ramathaim, Zophim, in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Joroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, the first named Hannah, and the second, Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah was childless. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. Whenever Elkanah entered, whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her, because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah would ask, Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? On one occasion, Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest, Eli, was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple, deeply hurt. Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears, making a vow. She pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. While she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my Lord. Hannah replied, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. 
May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate no longer. She ate and no longer looked despondent. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord when Elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord. Hannah did not go and explain to her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband, Elkanah, replied, Do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh as well as a three-year-old bull, half a bushel of flour, and a clay jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli, please, my Lord, she said, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord, for as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he worshiped the Lord there. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and singled out for God's good news, which he promised long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and who has been declared to be the powerful Son of God by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, we have received grace and apostleship through him to bring about the obedience of 
faith among all the nations on behalf of his name, including yourselves, who are also belong to Jesus Christ by calling to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. For God, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his son, is my witness that I constantly mention you always asking in my prayers that if that if it is somehow in God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you for I want very much to see you so I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you that is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine now i want you to know brothers that i often planned to come to you but was prevented until now in order that i might have a fruitful ministry among you just as among the rest of the gentiles i am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the good news to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, just as it is written, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, 
their thinking became nonsense and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them. Therefore, God delivered them over in the cravings of their hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served something created instead of the Creator who is praised forever. Amen. This is why God delivered them over to degrading passions. For even their females exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The males, in the same way, also left natural relations with females and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Males committed shameless acts with males and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error and because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God God delivered them over to a worthless mind to do what is morally wrong they are filled with all unrighteousness evil greed and wickedness They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful, although they know full well God's just sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them Jeremiah chapter 39. In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon advanced against Jerusalem with his entire army and laid siege to it. In the fourth month of Zedekiah's eleventh year, on the ninth day of the month, the city was broken into. All the officials of the king of Babylon entered and sat at the middle gate. Nergal, Sherezir, Samgar, Nebasurakim, the Nabsersis, Nergal, Sherezir, the Rab Mag, and all the rest of the 
officials of Babylon's king. When he saw them, when he saw them, Zedekiah, king of Judah, and all the soldiers fled. They left the city at night by way of the king's garden through the gate between the two walls. They left along the route to the Arabah. However, the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho, arrested him, and brought him to Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon's king at Riblah in the land of Hamath. The king passed sentence on him there. At Riblah, the king of Babylon slaughtered Zedekiah's sons before his eyes, and he also slaughtered all Judah's nobles. Then he blinded Then he blinded Zedekiah and put him in bronze chains to take him to Babylon. The Chaldeans next burned down the king's palace and the people's houses and tore down the walls of Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan, the commander of the guards, deported the rest of the people to Babylon. Those who had remained in the city and those deserters who had defected to him along with the rest of the people who had remained. However, Nebuzaradan, the commander of the guards, left in the land of Judah some of the poor people who owned nothing, and he gave them vineyards and fields at that time. Speaking through Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon gave orders concerning Jeremiah, saying, Take him, look after him, and don't let any harm come to him. Do for him whatever he says. Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, Nebash Asban, the Rabsaris, Nergal, Sherazir, the Rabmag, and all the captains of the king of Babylon had Jeremiah brought from the guard's courtyard and turned him over to Jedaliah, son of Ahikam, son of Shaphan, to take him home. So he settled among his own people. Now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah when he was confined in the guard's courtyard. Go tell Ebed-Melech the Cushite, this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says, I am about to fulfill my words for harm and not for good against this city. They will take place before your eyes on that day, but I will rescue you on that day. This is the Lord's declaration, and you will not be handed over to the men you fear. Indeed, I will certainly deliver you 
so that you do not fall by the sword because you have trusted in me. You will keep your life like the spoils of war. This is the Lord's declaration. Psalm 13 and 14. Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord, my God, restore brightness to my eyes. Consider me and answer, Lord, my God, restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, the fool, the fool, the fool says, the fool says in his heart, God does not exist. They are corrupt. They do vile deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise, one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never understand? They consume my people as they consume bread. They do not call on the Lord. Then they will be filled with terror. For God is with those who are righteous. You sinners frustrate the plans of the afflicted. But the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that Israel's deliverance would come from Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people Jacob will rejoice Israel will be glad <laughs>